Voting should be clear, simple, accessible, and secure. You just assume that, you know, voting's a right and that it should be, in theory, easy. And we shouldn't be asking voters to jump through so many informational hoops just to exercise the basic right to vote, which is the bedrock of our democracy. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Welcome to the Debrief Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein, in for David Ushery. And today we tackle a critical topic with Election Day fast approaching, your right to vote. When you say it like that, it makes it sound simple, right? If you're a citizen, if you're 18 or older, you can just go vote. But we know it's not that simple. And now with the pandemic, it only complicates things in so many ways. And we do know that there are issues that can lead to disenfranchisement. And we all want to avoid that. That's why the I-Team Election Project takes a closer look with Chris Glorioso. Queens photographer Kevin Goggin knows what it's like to be disenfranchised. In 2018, he voted with an affidavit ballot. I'm a very cautionary tale. But that ballot got rejected on a technicality, even though it was a primary election for Democrats. And Kevin is a Democrat. He forgot to write the word Democrat, so his affidavit got tossed. You just assume that, you know, voting's a right and that it should be, in theory, easy. But it turns out more than four in ten affidavit ballots got rejected in New York State last presidential election. This year, a federal judge in a voting rights case found the root of this problem is inaccurate address data from the United States Postal Service that often forces people to vote by affidavit when they shouldn't have to. There's just more steps that you can get wrong that could cause your your ballot not to count. Professor Mark Meredith is a University of Pennsylvania elections expert who estimated more than 35,000 New York voters were disenfranchised because of address mix-ups in 2016. He worries we could see even more affidavit ballots and hence more rejections this year because mail-in voting is an unfamiliar process. One reason you might see people casting affidavit ballots this time around is they requested the mail ballot, um, but they never got that mail ballot. I think this might be a circumstance that New York hasn't dealt with much before. Already, New York City has seen vote by mail hiccups. Last month, an elections vendor sent out more than 100,000 absentee ballots with mismatched names and addresses, roiling Mayor de Blasio. It's appalling. Um, I don't know how many times we're going to see the same thing happen at the Board of Elections and be surprised. When asked if city voters should trust city elections managers given the illegal purging of 200,000 voters four years ago, Board of Elections Chief Michael Ryan dismissed the question entirely. This question is so dated that it is entirely irrelevant to this election. But in that voting rights case, Ryan blamed the purging problems mostly on the post office, testifying he's very concerned for the voters on the quality of information that we get from the post office. And the city board met with representatives from the Postal Service to fix these problems, but had little success. The I-team reached out, but we haven't heard back from the post office. Kevin Goggin is more confident his vote will count this time, partly because of new legislation that just passed in Albany. It makes it harder to toss affidavit ballots 
because of technicalities. All these invalidated affidavit ballots ship away at the, the process that it makes people less likely to want to vote. Now let's welcome in Susan Lerner, the Common Cause director who filed that lawsuit against the Board of Elections in New York City. And Susan, we thank you so much for your time on this really critically important topic, helping voters get more information now as we approach and already in this current election cycle. Um, but let's go back for a moment. 2016, how did it come to be that you and your team were able to expose and right the wrong of that illegal purge of 200,000 voters in New York City? Well, you know, when uh, we started getting reports from voters that they weren't on the voter roll and then news reports that really this was a, a big problem in New York City, uh, we filed a lawsuit with the support of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights to be sure that procedures would be in place to prevent this sort of illegal activity by the Board of Elections in the future. What we found was that there was just massive misunderstanding in the boroughs, in the Board of Elections borough offices as to how they were supposed to remove or not remove people from the voter rolls. And we were able, with the court's help in a settlement agreement, to set up procedures to prevent that sort of illegal removal from happening in the future. And we have not seen that problem since. And in our I-Team Election Project story, the Board of Elections dismissed our questions about that, saying that is now irrelevant moving forward. Do you feel confident that, you know, when it comes to people that are showing up to vote, whether it's in person or in the mail, that at this point, the, the, you know, there may be other issues, certainly we'll get to that. But at this point, that this that, that issue is in the past. Uh, I do believe that with the procedures that they've agreed to put in place, um, that the, the issue of wholesale improperly removing people from the voter rolls in New York City should be behind us. Okay. Well, that is good news right there. And now the other thing that is of concern is how different this election is going to be because we're talking about an unusually high number of mail-in ballots. And uh, I'm curious, how, how do you believe, when we saw four out of 10 affidavit ballots in New York City were rejected in 2016, do we expect, because of this spike in mail-in ballots, do we expect that number to uh, be altered, or, or in, in, and I guess, is it is it possible that the, because there are fewer people voting in person, that there will be just fewer affidavit ballots? What do you expect? So, you know, what we saw in June was an unfortunate duplication of that statistic of too many people having their absentee ballots disallowed. But between June, the June primary, and now, I am really pleased to be able to say that I have seen quick action like I've never seen before in my 12 years as executive director of Common Cause New York, to set up a change in the law and a change in procedures uh, to avoid that kind of uh, large number of absentee ballots not counting. Um, so now the uh, oath envelope that the voter has to sign to send their absentee ballot has been completely redesigned. So a human can actually read it and figure out where to sign it. Um, there's now a cure procedure in place. If you do make a mistake on your absentee ballot that could invalidate it, the Board of Elections has to notify you, has to give you an opportunity to come in and fix it or to swear that it is your ballot and it should be cast. And they've also made procedural changes to ensure that the absentee ballot count can go forward more quickly. I've been pleasantly surprised and pleased to see this quick action 
by the state and by the New York City board. So we are expecting a much lower percentage of people whose absentee ballots would fall out and not be counted. That's good news. What do you think is the reason behind that quick action? Is it just how much is at stake? Is it the attention that the issues in the past have been getting? I think it is definitely a sense of how much is at stake. And I think the fact that this election is so important, voters are so motivated that there was a tremendous outcry about the problem in counting absentee ballots in June. And our legislators were back in session in July. And the governor also took quick action. And the Board of Elections got the message from the voters that they had to uh, tighten up and improve their procedures. And all of that happened which in my experience rarely comes together that quickly. And sometimes, Susan, the errors are human errors when it comes to uh, an affidavit ballot that might be rejected or a mail-in ballot that isn't counted. What tips would you want to give voters out there so that they can avoid an issue like we, we saw in this I-Team election project story where a man just forgot to write his party affiliation on the affidavit ballot? So my best advice is take the time to read the instructions for your absentee ballot in whatever jurisdiction that you're in. Because your absentee ballot does come with instructions, uh, either separately or on the envelope that you have to uh, return with your absentee ballot, take the time to read it and go over uh, the steps that you need to fulfill in order to have your absentee ballot counted. And if you're in a jurisdiction like New York City, where you can trace the progress of your absentee ballot online, Definitely do that. Be sure that your absentee ballot, if you're in a jurisdiction where you have to request an absentee ballot like New York City, and you can check online to see your request has been received, the ballot's been mailed out. When you mail it back, you can check to see that it's been received, and you'll be able to check and see if it's been counted. So uh, we are definitely seeing advances. The technology helps voters stay on top of the situation and ensure that all of the necessary steps to have their absentee ballots sent out and counted are proceeding in a timely fashion. We've been reporting about some of those tracking or tracing of mail-in ballot, uh, the technology that's been put out there by certain jurisdictions. It really seems like a game changer, Susan. You mentioned New York City. How widespread is that from uh, your research so far? So, you know, I am only aware of the situation in New York State. Um, so New York City has the online tracking system, and Onondaga County, which is the Syracuse area, also has the tracking system. Those are the only two jurisdictions in New York that I'm aware of, but certainly all of the states that have had vote-by-mail in place, they, they all have the ability to track. And other states are coming online with the ability to track or to have voters sign up for either an email or a text to let them know where their absentee ballot is in the system. So that technology is being more broadly adopted across the country. Yeah, in some spots it's just old school. You can still call in and double check, which works too. Absolutely, absolutely. Susan, what in America, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard some folks from other countries who come here and become citizens and they say, wow, it's so much more complicated than where I came from. What, what are some of the complications that that you often hear about when it comes to this right to vote that is different from state to state and even from county to county at times? It is one of the things that certainly bedevils us as voting rights advocates that the United States system is balkanized because of the federalist approach to voting. Every state, as you pointed out, 50 different states have 
slightly different rules or massively different rules from their neighbor. And not only that, we rely on our counties, of which there are over a thousand counties across the country, all of whom are responsible for run elections and all of whom in many states have the ability to choose how they're going to handle certain details that's different from other counties in their state. So we ask a lot of our voters by not having a uniform system, by having different deadlines, uh, by having different times when our polling places are open. Different states have different dates for early voting. Some days they don't have early voting. Some states have no fault absentee. Others don't. There's a lot of information which the voter has to be proactive and ascertain for themselves in many, many places. Uh, and that's simply uh, not the way our system should work. Voting should be clear, simple, accessible, and secure. And we shouldn't be asking voters to jump through so many informational hoops just to exercise the basic right to vote, which is the bedrock of our democracy. Susan, I'm going to wrap it with this, something that is just a great takeaway for so many voters out there. And we've touched on it, but I don't think it can be explained enough. And, and you can do it in a very direct fashion. Somebody who gets, who requests a mail-in ballot, somebody requests it, and then it's getting close to election day and they don't have their ballot and it doesn't arrive in time or they can't find it. What should that person do? That person should absolutely get in touch with their board of elections um, because there are provisions in place for lost ballots or for a problem to be able to issue a second absentee ballot. The best advice is don't sit on it. Immediately reach out to your election officials. And if you're a procrastinator and you don't do it, you just show up, you go to the polls on election day. I, I mean, of course, if you requested that ballot, that's not your preference. But if it, if it means enough to you and you, you want to vote, then you can still go to the polls. We're talking about a federalist system. In New York State, you can show up and vote in person if you received your absentee ballot, requested it, or cast it. But New York is the exception. In most places, if you elect to vote absentee, then that's the way you're supposed to vote. So again, it's on the voter. You have to research your own state's rules, and you do that either on your county's election authority website or by making a phone call to your election authority, whether it's the secretary of state, a county clerk, or a board of elections. Yeah, it's really important information. We have some great resources on NBCNewYork.com and our election section as well. Susan, thank you so much for your time and for clearing all this up. It's really helpful. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Thank you. A big thanks to Susan Lerner from Common Cause, and thank you for listening. And thanks to our production team as well, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz, always hard at work. I'm your host, Adam Cooperstein, in for David Ushery. We'll check back with you next time on The Debrief. Debrief.